Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, yes. Welcome in to a very evil, very polite edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. SP3 bobbing his head along. Ricky Chino here as well. Oh, Cleveland, Ohio. Forever will be known as the city where CM Punk left and Dan Housen arrived. Oh, that made me so damn happy last night. In a week where I needed to smile the most. Dan Housen getting pulled out underneath that ring at AEW Beach Break last night during the Lights Out match with Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy. The only bad thing is that match really kind of peaked at that moment for me. Like, after that, I'm like, can we get more Dan Housen on the screen, please? Begging you. Okay. Give me more Dan Housen. (sighs) That'll obviously be our lead story here today. SB3, how are we doing this fine Thursday morning? I am doing great. Uh, a very, very great episode of Dynamite that we're going to be talking about with Beach Break, booked then by uh, two bangers in the main event and in the opener, and uh, a new signing for AEW that's very nice and very evil. Very, very polite as well. He's very nice, very evil. That's the that's this that's his giving. He's very polite that. as well. He probably added that, but everybody knows it's very nice, very evil. (laughs) Regardless, very, very nice signing for AEW last night. Very big debut, Housen. Dan Housen, now all elite. He made, uh, a lot of people thought maybe it was a cameo last night, and then Tony Khan was very, very quick to put out that tweet that said, nah, he's ours, he's here, he is all elite, and... Man, um, this is one of those things. As our lead story here is Dan Housen signing with AEW. This is maybe this is a hot take, but this I'm more excited about this signing than I think I've been in a while for any of these new people that have been brought into AEW. To be completely honest, because I know what Daniel Bryan can do on the grand stage. I know what Adam Cole can do on a grand stage. I'm excited to see what a guy like Dan Housen, who has really built his own brand using social media, using YouTube, created this character. Yes, obviously, he had the platform in Ring of Honor, but I am, I'm so excited to, for him to get this opportunity on a main stage, on one of the top two platforms for professional wrestling in the world. And if you, if you, if you kind of, you might have seen this coming especially when they started using some of the things that he would talk about on social media, on TV, calling uh, the gun club ass boys and, and things like that. You know, he's been um, really kind of pitching for this on social media. So I, I, I was expecting this to come sooner rather than later. Obviously he's been dealing with the injury. So it was nice to see him up and, and walking and knees bending and standing and everything was looking good for him last night. Might still be a while before he's going to be in, in action in AEW, which is fine because this guy's got a character that can go for a while and he doesn't have to make his in-ring debut for a a long time, to be completely honest with you. This is a guy who's just entertainment value off the charts. I'm excited to see what he is going to do on a huge platform. Uh, Very similar to what, you know, the the opportunity that Orange Cassidy got 
when he got brought in, everybody's like, oh, well, he's an indie act. He's an indie act. It'll never work on the on uh, on cable TV. It'll never work. No, it, it works just fine. Um, He's kind of cooled off a little bit because he's a very one dimensional character. I don't I don't think Dan Housen is going to go that way. He's he's very, very creative. Um, I'm just excited to see him get this opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, he fits a role that is needed for AEW. You brought up Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy kind of created this role of the comedic figure. And it took Orange Cassidy a while to debut. He debuted officially in AEW at All Out 2019 in September of 2019 and didn't have his in-ring debut until February of 2020 at Revolution. So it, it is it's bearing to think that we're going to have like a similar weight with Danhausen because he is a very character centric uh performer yeah. but yeah he's going to fit the role that uh Orange Cassidy was in I don't think Orange Cassidy is a one dimensional character because they've added layers to his character yes. in feuds with Chris Jericho uh this latest feud with Adam Cole there's been little things and even the initial feud with Pat where he said he's actually going to try right. and, and, and and like like this one with the uh, Adam Adam Cole that you know it's it's been a it's been a feud of he doesn't care about all this stuff while Adam Cole has to try very hard and because he he does care so you can you can use just a simple character very nice very evil like Dan Housen and fit that comedic role for AEW it's a very comic relief type of role but it's very needed in professional wrestling AEW has created kind of this smorgasbord of professional wrestling where you can get a crazy ladder match. You can get the high-flying uh, expertise. You can get technical wrestling with your Brian Danielson. You can get the main event classics with Kenny Omega. But you also need to get that comedy. And if Orange Cassidy is, you know, getting these big wins, he has wins over Chris Jericho, Adam Cole. He's kind of elevated past that comedic role. So Dan Alzen comes at a perfect time for and I think this is the perfect fit for Dan Housen. And I think he knew that too. This is a guy who's very, very smart. This is a guy who looked at his pro wrestling career out on the indie scene. And I saw his interview that he did with Chris Van Vliet, where, uh, you know, obviously it was very CGI. He wasn't in the makeup or anything, but they talked about how, when he first got was, was getting going, he was basically tattooed indie guy. And it's like, how far is that going to take me? Right. This isn't, this isn't one of these guys that WWE looks for where he's like six foot six, 280 pounds, solid muscle, like that physical uh, uh, spectacle that, that the WWE tries to get and then molds into a superstar. He didn't fit that billing. So he had to find a way. He had to find this character. He had to find a way to get over with the audience. And he put in the work and he did it. And it has now led to this, this contract for him. Perfect landing spot for him because you and I both know at WWE gone, hey, look, this guy's pretty popular. Let's Let's bring him in. What would they have done immediately? They would have changed his name. They would have probably stripped away all of the, the character development that he had made. They probably would have taken his makeup away. They would have altered him completely and turned him into Stardust 2.0 or some crap like that. Daniel, Daniel Hossenstein. Yeah, yeah that, that would have been the name. That would have been a name, ladies and gentlemen. Hausen. It would have been Gunther Hausen uh, in AEW or in WWE, and he would have just Basically, his spots would have been getting picked up by Omos and getting chucked into the third row, right? Like, mm -hmm. he would have been... Chasing, chasing Dana Brooke for the 24-7 For the 24-7 That's exactly where he would be. 
And that, and that would be his ceiling, unfortunately. And that has nothing to do with his talent at all. That's just where WWE would put him, I think. I don't know. I've been wrong before. No, we we know because we see, like, uh, the, the lady's example would be Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona is, is reveling outside of WWE. Yes. He is the top heel in GCW. He's been in world title matches for Impact Wrestling. Brian Myers has been one of the more consistent characters on Impact Wrestling as well. He has his own stable. Those two men would be, ch- they, them, they themselves tweeted out, they'd be chasing the 24-7 title and not, be getting the biggest reaction at Hammerstein Barroom this past Sunday at the World on GCW. So Danhausen, yes, you are you would be considered lower than Zack Ryder and and Kurt Hawking. So yes, you would have been in the 24/7 division. So this is the perfect company, the perfect time for Danhausen to come in. Is he the most excited I've been about an AEW signing? No, because Brian Danielson, yes, I know what he can do on the main stage, but I didn't think he was going to do this, ladies and gentlemen. So that was more exciting. CM Punk returning to professional wrestling after seven years, definitely more exciting for me. And then on the other hand, signings that were exciting for me and have turned out to not be that exciting with the output that they put on AEW, like a Jay Lethal, who also comes from Ring of Honor like Dan Housen, makes me not that very excited with what they're going to do with, with Dan Housen. So no, I can't say this is the most excited, but like I said, this is a good company and a good role for him to fit in AEW. And he's a guy that they can plug in some holes that they have. And it's not a guy that they immediately have to get to the top, like an Adam Cole or Brian Danielson or a CM Punk. So I can understand why some people are excited. Did you hear the pop that he got last night? He got a good pop. He didn't get a lot of pop than Adam Cole. He didn't get a lot of pop than CM Punk. He didn't get a bigger reaction than MJF. He got a good pop. It's not it's not the most exciting that I've been about an AEW signing type of pop, but he got a good pop. I was very happy with the response he got. I think with the the entertainment value that he brings, the character that he has, I don't think he's this is going to be a, a signing for for a, and there have been a lot guys that have brought in been brought in with a lot of fanfare and then have quickly fizzled to the bottom of the card. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys. I think this guy by you know this time next year or two years from now will be near the 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 one of AEW's top stars. I think this this guy has that ability because of the entertainment value. And I know this isn't this isn't the E, right? Like this isn't World Wrestling Entertainment, but Dan Housen brings a lot to the table in that in that realm of things. And again, I'm I'm interested to see how he's utilized, how he's developed, what his his in-ring booking is going to be like. I'm really really excited for the signing. I'm very very excited for the signing. So um, good on Dan Housen. I'm happy to see him in AEW, and 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 yeah, and maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit of a hot take with saying that I'm more excited about him than some of these other guys. But again, it's just, I don't know, man. There, there's just something about the dude that just makes me really excited to see what he's gonna do, uh, in AEW. Let's move on to our uh our five count, five biggest questions coming into this Thursday morning. Again, beach break last night in Cleveland. Uh, not much of a beach that we we saw last night can you believe they made freaking team taz in single degree weather go out to some beach no, negative freaking... negative 11 apparently was it negative 11 yes jesus 
with the wind chill probably but my god they're standing on the shores of some beach in lake erie no sand all snow the hell are we doing the hell are we doing the fucking powerhouse house has on no shirt overalls and a fucking and a fucking mink <laughs> I thought I thought Tony Schiavone was about to slice open powerhouse Hobbs and live inside of them to keep warm. <laughs> I was like, why they do that? Why they do that to Hobbs and Ricky Stark? They deserve better than that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, although Tony Schiavone was absolutely gold uh, in that segment. But regardless, we did get a very good uh, main event last night. Lights out match, which again saw the debut of of Danhausen. So again, that kind of that kind of peaked it for me there. But uh, it ended with a uh, a hug off of a platform through a table uh, or through the stage, shall we say? No crash pad visible this time. And Orange Cassidy lands on top of Adam Cole and gets the one, two, three. Technically, not Adam Cole's first loss in AEW because it is a lights out match, so it doesn't really count against his record. But number one in the five count, SP3 on a scale of one to 10, how surprised are you that Orange Cassidy beat Adam Cole last night? A two, a two, because I kind of saw this coming because Adam Cole and, and, and pretty much the entire elite have beat the hell out of the best friends. They beat them in a six-man tag with the Undisputed Era versus the best friends. They Adam Cole beat Orange Cassidy on his own they uh, the best friends lost to lost to uh the young bucks the uh then we had last week the mixed tag match with adam cole beating orange cassidy so as soon as he challenged him for a lights out match i was like you can't do another match with these two unless orange cassidy is going to win so making a lights out match making it not count towards the record I assumed that this was going to be the victory for Orange Cassidy. And I thought it was a really fun matchup to kind of blow off their rivalry here where Adam Cole can, he's finished his feud, the babyface has won, and now he can move on with his record still intact, still undefeated in singles competition and make a claim for the AEW World Championship. Hopefully they get the Lance Archer, Hangman, Adam Page matchup out of the way on the next couple of weeks of dynamite because cole versus page is the matchup for the aew world title i want to see at revolution you don't think lance archer has a chance of walking away with the aew world title i hope that silence answered that for you <laughs> um <coughs> excuse me um <coughs> the the more that i thought about this the the less surprise and prize that I get. And I, I think the lights out should have been a bigger clue that Orange Cassidy had a chance to, to win this matchup and actually put him as the favorite in this because, yeah, it, it's all about protecting Adam Cole's record. The fact that this is an unsanctioned fight, basically, the referee's only there to count the three count, right? And it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things that, that Adam Cole lost this. But it is a big win for Orange Cassidy, who has really not found a lot of these big wins, few and far between. That That mimosa mayhem win over chris jericho was almost two years ago now at, at at this point and he's had a couple of nice wins here or there but he is another one of these guys that was that was brought in was insanely over still over with the crowd maybe not to the same extent that he was but he hasn't really been able to build up any huge wins and this is a big win for orange cassidy doesn't hurt adam cole a whole a whole lot because it took orange cassidy throwing him off of a scaffolding through the sound stage to beat him so 
yeah, this is a nice win for Orange Cassidy. When it happened last night, I was at about a seven, and then the more I thought about it, it, it dropped down to about a two or a three range uh, for me. One thing that happened last night that I am still not over is that ladder match that opened up the show for the uh, undisputed, or excuse me, the unified, whatever they're calling it, the TNT championship last night. You had the interim champion, Sammy Guevara, against the TNT champion in Cody Rhodes. These two put themselves through pretty much everything uh, and hell uh, last night to win the TNT championship. And Sammy Guevara finally did get it done. Um, both of them on top of the ladder. He bashes Cody Rhodes in the face with one of the belts. Cody Rhodes falls off. He grabs the championships, and that's all she wrote. But it was the spot in the middle of the match, about two-thirds of the way through the match, that has everybody talking. I'm still dumbfounded about it. Where Cody Rhodes is on the top of his ladder, and he's reaching for the belts. Sammy Guevara is in the corner on another ladder. And then this bitch springboards to the top of that ladder, jumps off of it, and Cody Rhodes is able to time it perfectly to where he gives him a cutter off the top of the ladder. I, I, if you haven't seen it, Google it. Like, pause this podcast right now. And oh, that's me saying that. Pause this podcast right now. Go look up the cutter that Sammy Guevara hit on, on freaking Cody Rhodes last night and, and just shit your pants because that's what you're going to do when you watch this match. The, it was an insane move in a match full of insane moves. The, the crossroads off of the ladder was incredible, and Sammy Guevara nailed it perfectly. For him. And, and that's, that's one thing I want to bring up here. Yes, that was Cody's move, the crossroads. Sammy Guevara deserves a lot of credit for how he took that and took it very safely. Cody Rhodes deserves a lot of credit for the getting the timing right off of that springboard cutter off the top of the ladder. It's a dance, folks. It takes two people to pull these moves off flawlessly, and both of these guys were on their A-game last night. But I want to focus here on that springboard cutter off of a ladder to another ladder into the middle of the ring. SP3, did Sammy Guevara pull off the most impressive move in the history of wrestling last night? I don't know about the history of wrestling, but it's the most impressive move that I've seen in a ladder match ever. Like, I, and I've seen a bunch of ladder match. And this matchup, Sammy versus Cody 3, is probably my favorite or the best ladder one-on-one -on -one ladder match that I've seen on national TV. I say that it's the most memorable since Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker back in 2002, Oof. 20 yeah. years ago, because this was just insanity. It was exactly what I thought it would be. When you said Cody versus Sammy in a ladder match, I was like, Sammy's going to do something crazy. Cody's going to do at least one spot that is insane. And we had a match full of crazy spots, but that springboard cutter is one of the most unique moves I've ever seen. First of all, usually you can't springboard off of a ladder, so I want to, I want to, you know, say some praise for AEW for getting some of the sturdiest freaking ladders yeah. I've ever seen in my life, and that, and I am saying that because of that swanton that Sammy did off a twenty-five foot ladder through Cody through a ladder bridge, and the ladder didn't break. break. All that broke and bended was Sammy's body as he fell onto Cody. Oh my goodness! Like this was and. 
they, that's not even including the vertical suplex off uh, of the ladder. Like the delayed they, vertical suplex. Oh I thought Sammy Sport was going to get caught in the title belt when that was going down. This was if they, they caught they they were hanging from the ladders at one point and then they fell. Like this was just wild. This was a spectacle. This was one of the best aew dynamite matches of all time i as soon as i saw this i was like this was a classic and it's elevated because of the result because i know a lot of people that just assumed cody was going to win this one but the fact that sammy won this is once again another star that cody rose has made in this company and he's made quite a few of them mjf got his big win before he went to the main event scene darby allen beat him for the tnt championship brody lee malachi black and now sammy Guevara. cody rose is the man he's doing it three i've been told that cody doesn't put anybody over though I've, i've been told this the internet told me so this is why you shouldn't listen to the internet. You should listen to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. But damn, that was one of the craziest moves I've ever seen in the history of professional wrestling. Like I said, just the timing to be able to pull that off with both guys is incredible that these guys nailed it. Just absolutely 100% nailed it. Uh, and I don't want to think about what would have happened had they not nailed the timing on that everything was executed flawlessly for that move and i'm sitting here and i'm thinking like i'm laying awake last night and i'm trying to think because i knew i was going to ask this question today i'm trying to think of any move that i think garnered the kind of reaction that i got last night and i think maybe you know, I, I hell if you think back to like maybe all the big spots in the history of wwe right you think of like mick foley getting choke slammed through through hell in a cell you think of uh, Edge spearing Mick Foley through a flaming table. You think of Edge spearing Jeff Hardy uh, hanging off of the ladders. You want to talk about ladder matches. Um, but none of them match the the athleticism and the just freakish talent it took to perform this move in particular. I think the only other move that I can even think of that was just so damn uh, impressive to me um, was Skipper and TNA when he... The, the cage walk yeah yeah where the he cage. walked across the top of the rope uh, top of the cage and then gave the frankensteiner like i think that's that's the only other thing that i can think of that matches this as far as athleticism is concerned yeah that's probably that's probably it like this yeah one of the more pr- impressive moves gillis kipper is up there yeah edge of spear on jeff hardy at wrestlemania 17 uh, Penta giving Matt, Matt Jackson the Canadian Destroyer off a freaking ladder at All Out 2019. And then Sammy Springboard Cutter. Yeah, those are probably the more most impressive moves you will see in professional wrestling. Sammy's just getting started. He's just getting started. Insane. Yep. It's insane how young he is and how good he is already. And I, th- I feel like you can say that about a lot of guys uh, in AEW right now. Uh, and the, the future is certainly bright. Uh, for I mean, you got a lot of main event level players right now, but you got some guys who are not going to be far behind them. Uh, AEW is set up for sustained sustained success. WWE wishes they had a locker room full of young twenty somethings that could perform the way these guys can. Yeah, but then again, if you look at the Dante Martins, the Sammy Guevara's, you look at the build of those guys, would they flourish in WWE the way they're flourishing in AEW right now? No, probably not. And that's a WWE problem. Yes, that is a massive WWE problem.
Uh, moving on to number three in the five count here. Last night, I was honestly, this is something that was the more shocking moment. I was expecting it to be Wardlow's night as far as getting a massive pop, getting that big crowd reaction, beating the hell out of MJF. I was expecting that to happen in Cleveland to get that hometown heroes uh, massive pop. Didn't happen last night. Uh, Wardlow did reluctantly powerbomb CM Punk. Allegedly, we're going to get this match between MJF and CM Punk in Chicago next week. I don't know if I quite buy that just yet, but the fact that it's in Chicago makes me think that it might happen, but I still think MJF might pull some bull crap next week because uh, it just seems really random to have this match at, in, in first week in February on a, on a Dynamite, but AEW does do that. They, they want to make each show feel big, and it is Chicago after all, so maybe this match does go down. But I was expecting Wardlow to get his moment. He did get, did get a squash win. He was very over with the Cleveland crowd and then reluctantly still did MJF's bidding uh, at the uh, end of the night. So number three here on the five count. Did AEW miss the boat by not having Wardlow turn on MJF in his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio? No. No. It's, I just, I've been saying this, and I was reconfirmed of that last week. I was like two weeks ago when uh, Wardlow, you know, touched MJF when MJF was getting mad at him for losing to CM Punk. I was like, yeah, this could probably happen in Cleveland. But after last week with the uh, promo segment where I didn't know what was better, MJF's promo or Wardlow's facial expressions, yeah. I was like, I want more of this. This is how you 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 let it simmer. You let what's going on simmer for a bit and blow it off at the right time. So I did not think it was going to happen in Cleveland. And plus the setup for it didn't make sense. Why would Warlow help CM Punk? Why? What has CM Punk done for Warlow for Warlow to help CM Punk? So it did not make any sense with the setup. Like, that's why I was like, confused a couple of my friends hit me up like oh my god i can't believe wardlow listen to mjf we have established that mjf pays warlow it's all about the money that is the most sensible and simple storyline that always works for me in professional wrestling i said it last week with layla hirsch turning heel because chris statlander and red velvet was messing with her money and i see it here with wardlow listening to mjf MJF is his employer. What do you want me to do? You want me to save CM Punk because you fans love CM Punk? I don't love CM Punk. CM Punk's done nothing for me. CM Punk beat me two weeks ago and got me yelled at by my employer and got me docked of pay. Why yeah, but would it was I MJ help him? But it was Why MJF who lost him that match. No, no. It's CM Punk was the one that beat me, and he's the reason that a doctor pay because that's what Maxwell told me. Maxwell said the blame needs to go on CM Punk, so that is why he powerbombed him. And I kind of foreshadowed that. I said this when two weeks ago when this happened with Warlow, that you got to get through the CM Punk-MJF match. Either... You have this first match in Chicago, and it's a full-on matchup, and that's how you blow off the feud for now because I think they're going to go back to this feud when uh, either man is AEW world champion. But for now, you can blow that off and then focus on the Warlow babyface turn, and maybe we get Warlow and MJF at Revolution instead. So there is a lot of different ways they can go on it but I can't say they missed the boat. This was not the, the, the point of no return. Warlow had to turn babyface in his hometown of Cleveland or else it was 
this was another part of the story. They gave him his moment to be a babyface in front of those fans, look like the monster that he's been presented as in a handicap match early in the show. And then he reluctantly, it was a, it was another key point of this whole story. Yes. He reluctantly power bombed CM Punk on the steel chair. So this was just another storyline, a story, a storyline point for this whole story. But it wasn't the end all be all where I could say AEW missed the boat. Yeah, I'm not going to say that they missed the boat. I will say it was uh, it was a little maybe slightly disappointing because I wanted to see that huge crowd pop reaction. And I'm, I'm st- it's going to happen. And it's that that pop is going to be big whenever Wardlow does finally put his hands on MJF. They could have they could have maybe I don't want to say rushed it, but they could have done something early on in the show that would have set up the the, the, the turn and then gone back later and, and done it on in the evening. Because as you said, the way things shaked out, it wouldn't have made sense for that to happen last night. But they could have done something earlier on in the show that would have made it made sense later on in the show. But again, they are slow playing this. This isn't something that is being uh, stretched out to the point where, you know, we're we're begging for it to happen. Right. Like this isn't. Dominic turning on Rey Mysterio. This isn't uh, Naomi and and Sonya Deville where it's like, can we please end this and, and, and move on? It was good, but it's not anymore. AEW has done a good job of, of slow playing this, but still keeping it interesting and still keeping it moving to the point where, yeah, no, they haven't, they have not reached that be all end all point, the point of no return, as you, as you said. So uh, I'm going to say no on this as well, even though I would have liked to have seen it done in Cleveland. Um, and, and, and Cleveland deserved something a little special last night for, for their hometown crowd. Cause all they did was get shit on about, they got, a, they got a lot. They got that ladder match. One of the greatest no, like one of their hometown heroes. I, no, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about like one of their hometown guys. They, they deserve something big. Cause uh, everybody told me that Johnny Gargano, everybody, everybody told me that Johnny Gargano was going to show up in Cleveland last night and, and sign with all elite that. wrestling. Huh? I ain't tell you that. No, I know you didn't. You didn't. I can't tell you how many people I saw on Twitter talking about Johnny Gargano was trending last night ahead of AEW Beach Break. And I'm like, guys, Candace hasn't even had her baby yet. He's literally said on his YouTube stream where he has no reason to lie whatsoever, where he even put out a video that was recorded in July saying, look, I'm 99% sure I'm not re-signing with WWE at the end of the year. All right. So it's like he's had this in his mind that he wanted to take time off that be with Candace for the birth of his child. The baby hadn't even been born yet, but everybody's sitting there saying, oh, it's Cleveland, and Johnny Gargano's going to be there. The the thing, it's a catch-22. The thing with WWE, when you watch, you can watch it with no optimism, and the best thing to do is to watch with thinking what Vince McMahon wants and what you don't want. Um, In AEW, it's a catch-22 because they have instilled this type of faith in fans that believe that what they want is what AEW wants to accomplish. So regardless of it making sense, regardless of it going against what the wrestler has actually said, they will go full throttle 160 degrees straight to their their point of where they were. So to a lot of fans, they saw everything happening in that lights out match. They saw the best friends come out. They saw the Young Bucks. They saw Bobby Fish. And they were like, Johnny Gargano is going to come in, make the final save, and help Orange Cassidy beat Adam Cole to set up Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole in AEW so we could have those five-star classics they had in NXT. 
here in AEW. It's going to be great. Johnny Gargano is going to be a part of the best friends. And literally, AEW has not hinted, teased, nope. or even nope. even nope. <laughs> even nope. flirted with those ideas. Nope. So I don't understand why fans had it so in their brain that they are now disappointed. They are either angry that Adam Cole lost a match that doesn't count against his record, Correct. or they are angry at a superstar that neither AEW nor Johnny Gargano himself teased he was going to be at the show. They are just angry, and they have to complain about something from the show. Fair statement. What do you think about it? And I'm not saying that Johnny Gargano won't eventually be all elite. He very well could, especially after his YouTube stream where he said, look, I'm 99.9% sure I'm not re-signing with WWE, and that was in July of last year. That does not make, make me sound like a guy that, that's going to, to come back to WWE at any point. Definitely seems like he's exploring other options. So if and when he does return to wrestling, I think AEW is, is and, probably a front runner at this point. And if we could take anything from what Kyle O'Reilly said on Talk is Jericho, he was very adamant about the fact that before NXT 2.0, Kyle O'Reilly was a top guy. And after they rebranded NXT, there was no plans for, for Kyle O'Reilly. And if WWE's plan for Johnny Gargano is take your chances on the main roster or you're going to be on NXT 2.0 jobbing the Grayson Waller, uh, Sola Sequoia, and Boa, I think the better option is being becoming all elite. Yes, and I think the, date, the, the, the dates would be less, the travel would be less, and you have a young kid at home and that's important to you. Yeah, I think AEW would be a, a great place. One day a week in comparison to the main roster where you're on the road four days out of Not, not even one day a week. If you know, I mean, like, seriously, they, they have so many, so much damn talent. And not, very rarely are you on the show every single week. Even the top guys take take weeks off at a time. Colorado just had a baby, and I didn't hear anybody talk about he was missing from that that ang yeah. from the last night's main event. Like literally, it didn't even it didn't even think, and no one thought about it. No one said where's Kyle like they did with Leo Rush or anything. They were just like, oh, Colorado had a baby. He's not here this week. No no problem. We'll just throw Bobby Fish and Brandon yeah. Cutler and the Young Bucks to the point that no one even noticed that Kyle O'Reilly was gone this week. It was gang wars. There was too many people out there to even notice. I didn't I didn't even notice that Kyle O'Reilly wasn't out there, to be completely honest with you, for me to even bitch about that. Uh, so obviously, overall, really good beach break last night. I will say this about the Cleveland crowd. How are you going to let someone like Dr. Britt Baker shit all over your quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and then follow that up by doing her DMD. I was like, yo, she is she is ridiculously over. Like, I, I've never heard a crowd, like, get, they came out, they were cheering for her. Then they started booing her when she disses the, the Cleveland Browns. Then they started doing their own, like, bulldog chant for the cleveland browns uh -huh. then 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 Britt was like let me throw one more insult so y'all can boo me at the end here she throws that insult they boo her and then she said dr Britt baker and they all say D and D. I i was like she's just ridiculously over she had them going through bipolar disorder <laughs> oh my god I will. I, I would like to point out uh dr Britt baker there's only one team in the afc north that is still playing it ain't in Cleveland. It ain't in Pittsburgh. Cincinnati. We'll see if they're still playing after this. Week. I mean, I mean, to be fair, ladies and gentlemen, the Pittsburgh Steelers have more championships than the Bengals have wins in the playoffs. 
not true. Not anymore. <laughs> not, anymore. Like, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. And quit living in the past, damn it. We're not living in the past. We're living in the present. We're living in the here. Hey, they and the presently now. have more titles than they have one. They have one less title than than the Bengals have playoff wins. I think it's two now. I think it's two now because Pittsburgh has six. Yes, six or seven. Six. Okay, yeah. Six. The Bengals have eight playoff wins in their career now. Hey, live in the now, baby. The Bengals have a quarterback. Cleveland and Pittsburgh cannot say that at this point in time. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, the Bengals do play this weekend. Not the Steelers, not the Browns. But it all is also the Royal Rumble on Saturday. Make sure to tune in to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast channel tomorrow, 7 a.m. Our Royal Rumble prediction show kicks off again at 7 a.m. It will be available, and we will be joined by our good friend from across the pond, Talk Sports' own Alex McCarthy. He is going to join us to break down the entire card, give some bold predictions, and we are going to see, it is the debut of a brand new segment on this show, we are going to see if Alex believes that he can beat the trivia master himself, SP3, a little Royal Rumble trivia challenge. Are you feeling confident heading into this tomorrow, SP3? I can already tell this is going to be some type of chicanery, ladies and gentlemen, some type of shenanigans that Rick has prepared to try to to try to fix and try to screw me over. He's Vincent Man. I'm Brett the Hitman Hart, ladies and gentlemen. And Friday is Montreal. Well, we'll have to all tune in to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast channel and check that out. By the way, while you're there, you're on the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Follow us on Twitter. Follow True Heel SB3. Follow Rick Uchino, and you are registered to win fifty dollars cash money. All the monies, money. the WWE shop will be giving away that uh, that gift card on Monday, so you still have time to get registered for that. But speaking of the Royal Rumble, earlier this week we broke down the men's Royal Rumble match. We broke down the women's Royal Rumble match. Talking about different parts of that, we'll give our predictions again tomorrow. But we do have three title matches on this card. Number four, the five count. Who is most likely to lose their championship at the Royal Rumble Saturday night? Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, or Becky Lynch? Roman Reigns, only because he's held the title the longest. WWE uh, usually emphasizes the amount of days someone has held the title when they're about to lose it. And they usually make the person who breaks a record lose the title quickly thereafter. So all of those things point to Roman Reigns losing, but there is also the chance that, you know, Brock Lesnar could lose to Bobby Lashley. Um, there's no chance in hell that Becky Lynch is losing to Dewdrop. Nope. So if I am ranking this, it would be Roman, then Brock, then Becky. Yeah, if I'm ranking this, I, I think I agree with you. I think it's Roman, Brock, 10 feet of crap, and then Becky Lynch is most likely to, to lose her championship. There's no way in hell they're taking that title off of her, especially if the rumors are true that Ronda Rousey is just around the corner. Yep. Uh, even though I don't think that that match necessarily needs a championship in it between it Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. I know we disagree on this, and this is something that we talked about uh, on uh, Tuesday's episode. Um, but if Becky Lynch is going to drop it ahead of a match with Ronda Rousey, it's not going to be to do drop. And that's nothing against do drop. I'm a big fan of Piper Niven. Um, but she's not, they're not, they're just not going to put the title on her. Somebody who is not over with the audience as of yet, somebody who doesn't even generate that much heat just yet. And that is not entirely her fault. Uh, spirit fingers. Yes. Uh, uh SP three. 
Um, they're not going to put the title on her heading into uh, WrestleMania season. It's just not going to happen. Becky Lynch is going to retain in some way, shape, or form, uh, I do believe, uh, on Saturday. I I Would we be entirely stunned, though, if both Brock and Roman retained? No. No. I could see them making the title change for Saudi Arabia if they're going to do that. You can easily see them doing that with Roman and thinking that that's the better way for Roman to lose his title because there's five challengers, the elimination chamber, stuff like that. Same thing with Brock. You could you could see them realistically having it like come down to like Brock and whoever they want to be the WWE champion, and then Roman and the Usos break into the chamber and cost Brock the championship. So it could go either way, but if we're talking about who's most likely to lose their title out of these three, it's Roman. I, I do agree with you that the moment that the, like they really start emphasizing on how long a title run has been is usually right around the time that they, they start setting you up to lose that championship. But I also would not be stunned if Roman still retained because it is Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns tends to, to break all those barriers and break all those rules because he is WWE's top guy. But he still is the most likely to me because you're also talking about Brock Lesnar and I don't think there is a chance in hell that one, they would put Bobby Lashley over Brock Lesnar, and I think their their booking heading into this match indicates just as such the fact that Brock Lesnar has been treating Bobby Lashley as pretty much a nobody, a joke, somebody who isn't on his level. I don't think they're taking the title off of Brock after a month or less than a month. So yeah, for me, I think the most likely is Roman Reigns, but honestly, I the most likely answer might be all three of them retain, to be completely honest with you. Honestly, the booking of Lashley and Lesnar lends for Lashley to win. Because Brock hasn't been taking him seriously, and this is like the kind of like the shock to his system. I could see, I can realistically see Bobby Lashley beating Brock Lesnar based on the way Brock Lesnar has treated him. This is the only way that you have Lashley come out of this looking good. So. The, the, the way that I expect the story to unfold inside the ring is, is Lashley to go on the attack and get the upper hand for a majority of the contest. And we see a gassed, shocked Brock Lesnar like, I wasn't expecting this, you know, kind of really put kind of like how he did with Keith Lee when Keith Lee entered in the Royal Rumble and Brock like really put Brock and put people over with how he treats them in the ring and how he reacts to them. Yeah. So Brock opening up the matchup by not taking Lashley seriously and then getting three or four minutes into the matchup and Brock is is fighting for his life would really kind of put Lashley over. And then I expect Brock to find a way to to flip the switch, turn on that extra gear, find a way to ca- you know, catch Bobby Lashley with a, you know, an elbow or, or something and get him down. That's how I expect the story to kind of unfold. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I do see your point is how that could lend to a Lashley winning. Do I see it happening? Eh, well, you'll have to tune into our prediction show tomorrow to find out. And last but not least, a, a pleasant report from FightfulSelect.com. Tip of the cap to uh, Sean Rossap, who should be getting executive vice uh, executive producer credits for this show because he just keeps giving us stuff to talk about. Um, Kyrie Sane, whose contract status is eh, still kind of up in the air with with WWE, could be coming to an end soon. Uh, she has uh, been working overseas, I believe, for 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 WWE in some kind of capacitor uh, an ambassador role. Has not been in a ring in in quite some time. Her name has now cropped up as a possible entrant into the 2022 Women's Royal Rumble match. So final question of the day, number five of the five count, SB3, would you like to see Kyrie Sane make her way back to WWE? No. I would like to see Kyrie Sane in the Royal Rumble. 
that would be cool. That would be a nice little spot. And yeah, there is definitely use for Kyrie Sane on the WWE roster, whether it be in the Kabuki Warriors for Asuka or, you know, in the in either, you know, women's division, you know, SmackDown definitely needs stars, the uh, credibility of uh, Kyrie Sane. But no, I don't want to see her make her way back to WWE because I don't feel like WWE ever treated her like the star that she is in comparison to how Kyrie Sane was treated on NXT to how Io Shirai has been treated on NXT. Kyrie Sane got a month and a half with the NXT championship before it went back to Shayna Baszler. Yes, she was in a feud, a main feud with Shayna Baszler, but the signs were there as soon as Shayna Baszler won back the title that they were focusing, they were pulling back on the spotlight from Kyrie Sane even as far back as 2018. And then her role on the our run on the main roster was literally all for a division that the, the company doesn't even care about. Yes, the Kabuki Warriors was the best of the women, were one of the best of the women's uh, tag team champions. But that is a bar so low that I'm sure Hornswoggle has to bend down and get on his knees to see it. Like, that is how low that freaking bar is for the women's tag team titles, the Kabuki Warriors. Yes, it would be cool to have them back to get some more talent in the women's tag team division. But if WWE doesn't care enough about that division, why should I care enough to ruin Kyrie Sane's life by asking her to go back to WWE to do this? She's happy in Japan. Let her stay there. I'd rather see Kyrie Sane make her way back to stardom than WWE. The move for Kyrie Sane is probably not to go back to WWE. Would I like to see her in the Royal Rumble? Absolutely. Sure. Yes, I agree with you. But the selfishly, selfishly, yes, I do want to see her back in WWE. Because of everything you just said, that women's tag team division needs help. It needs help. It needs bodies. It needs don't teams. need anything. It needs to die. Like, that is, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If your family member has coma, has cancer, has AIDS, they're on their deathbed, they have a few days to die, but you can, you can save their suffering by pulling the plug. I mean, I'm the type of person I would think about pulling the plug, and I think that's where the women's tag team titles are out. Yes, we can go it along. Yes, we can throw as much talent as possible at it. And they have. They don't care. Why should we say somebody needs to be a part of the because division I, there are a lot they of don't care? There are a lot of performers in that company, Bailey and Sasha Banks included, who fought for those titles, who do care about those titles, who want those titles to mean something. And, and that's what I want to see. Do I think it's ever going to come to a fact where I think WWE is going to treat those championships well? No, because look how they treat their men's tag team titles. They don't care about those either. But the, I, I, I want these titles to thrive. I want these titles to mean something because they are the pseudo mid-card championship for the women's division that doesn't have a mid-card title at all. I like the fact that there's more for, for people to fight for in the division. I just want them to, to freaking utilize those titles. And I don't think that's too much to ask, which is why... I think there's a better chance of that happening with the Kabuki Warriors there because I don't see them putting Asuka in a main event title feud anytime soon. I think her and Kyrie Sane could help carry that division, especially if the Bellas come back and have a run. The Bellas are going to need people 
That's that's the hope for the division, honestly, is that they put the titles on the Bellas because they'll actually use the Bellas and put them on TV and put them in title feuds. They need teams to compete against. So yes, selfishly, I would like to see Kyrie Sane back tagging alongside Asuka, have the Kabuki Warriors in that division, build up the talent there because I want those titles, as do a lot of people on that roster, to thrive. That said, that's a whole lot of bull. That's a whole lot of hope. That's a whole lot of prayers. That's something you're going to see on Care Bears. It ain't something you're going to see on WWE TV. I don't have the faith that it's going to happen, but that's not going to stop me from wanting those titles to succeed. And anytime people say, you just need to kill them, I'm like, no, you don't need to kill them. You need to freaking utilize them. Just like you need to utilize the Intercontinental Championship. Just like you need to utilize the United States title, which they've done better since they put the belt on Damian Priest, but they're starting to kill him with this Damian character. At least he's defending it. At least he's defending it. At least he's defending it, SP3. Can't say the same for the Intercontinental Championship, which hasn't been defended on a pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37. Could you imagine if they booked the Intercontinental title the way that they do the TNT Championship? My God. If, if you're talking about utilizing being, trying to mess up a person who was getting over the way he was by giving him a split personality gimmick, I, I, I will say it once, I'll say it a million times. WWE only cares about four titles. They care about the SmackDown and Raw Women's titles, yep. and they care about the WWE and the Universal Championship. They don't care about the U.S. title. It could be defended 101 times if the person holding the title, you are actively doing things to get him not over with the fans. It's not, it's not utilizing the title properly. Yes, it's better than how they're utilizing the Intercontinental title, but the 24-7 title is better than how they're using the Intercontinental title right now. So that's not saying much if at, at all. So they only care about four titles. So I only care about four titles now. And that's the because I don't, and that's I don't so have people, faith in them. And that's why so many ways. people are saying, well, just get rid of this, just get rid of that, just get rid of this. And then WWE's defense of why they don't use these championships is like, well, nobody cares about them. Nobody cares about them because you're telling us that they don't matter. So if you changed your booking, if you changed that style of thinking, if you actually put some time and effort into your secondary championships, people would care. People cared about that Intercontinental title when Seth Rollins had it back in what, 2019? 2018. They gave it, 2018. They gave a shit about that title run. It was the best title run probably during that stretch. People cared about that title. Um, nobody, nobody cares right now. Because you're telling us it does not matter because you put this title on Shinsuke Nakamura and I get that he's hurt right now. At least that's the, the, the word from Rick Boogs. That's what he told Ryan Satin on Fox Sports is that he's dealing with a hand injury right now. Well, if that title mattered, you would have taken it off of him and you would have put it on somebody else. Case in point. Yeah. Real quick before we, uh, re we wrap up, we'll, we'll, we'll do about two minutes here on this. Booker T. Our good old buddy Booker T has uh, put out another hot take out there about Mustafa Ali saying that WWE not granting his release may be the best thing for him, SP3. And once again, people are uh, people are trashing him on Twitter. So I'll, I'll give you two minutes here. Booker T on Mustafa Ali. Garbage take or valid opinion, good sir? So, ladies and gentlemen, I call Booker Uncle Booker T. Why? Because the T stands for Tom, and I don't, and I just dropped the Booker. Um. <laughs> so yes, this is a garbage take, ladies and gentlemen. This is probably his valid opinion, 
but it is also a garbage take because all of Booker T's valid opinions seem to be garbage takes, ladies and gentlemen. When he when he criticized CM Punk's return promo and his star power, when he when he tried to try to criticize and take away the blackness of Byron Saxton, when he said that no one wants to see Corey Graves wrestle, when he said that it was okay the way Triple H treated him in the build-up to WrestleMania 19, does this man have anything but the worst, the bottom of the barrel type of takes? Like I have never seen a wrestling legend actively make himself less missed by the fans every time he opens his goddamn mouth just say chucky ducky quack quack and don't say any of these garbage takes you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth you took the words right out of my mouth i was gonna say the only thing that he could say at this point is chucky ducky quack quack and that's it that's it he should just open up his mic and say chucky ducky quack quack and then end his podcast at this point Look, we have seen, even if you don't believe that Mustafa Ali has what it takes to make it out on the on the mainstream, there if he doesn't want to be there, and this goes for everybody, if you are working at a place that you don't want to be at, get the hell out. Especially in this market. Get the hell out. There, there are other, you know, there are other avenues. All right. There are there are other ventures that you can do. If you're not happy, life's too short for this crap. Don't sit there and be miserable. Go find something else to do. And as we talked about earlier on this program, we have seen other people thrive. You don't have to be in AEW. You don't have to be in WWE to make it in this business, to make a name for yourself. Like you said, what Matt Cardona has been able to do on the independent scene for his career, I don't know what he's bringing in financially, but he had you know, a decade's worth of paychecks from WWE. So hopefully he saved up his damn money. So I know not everybody is in the same situation, but what he's been able to do for himself has been miraculous. He has turned himself into one of the top heels in the entire business on the independent scene, even though he'll say on Twitter that he's a baby face. Just give almost folly is asking for is a chance and, and whether, and to, and to say that, you know, that's not best for him. Yeah. You don't know what's, what's best for him. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Look at Chris Mack. Chris Mack left Xavier University basketball after a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, went to the University of Louisville, which is like a dream job in college basketball. Four years later, he's out after a very rocky four years. The grass ain't always greener on the other side of things. So yeah, Mustafa Ali could make a mistake, but if he wants to go out and give it a shot, he should get that opportunity. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Maybe he'll be proved right that he he's not the guy that can go out there and make it on the independent scene or go to AEW and thrive. But book, he should get that shot. It's a, it's a garbage take. Just, just give him the opportunity. If he's not happy in WWE, let him go. Who cares? You're not using him anyway. We do appreciate you guys tuning in to one of the shorter episodes of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. One of these days. We're getting that time down, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting that time down. We do appreciate you sticking with us for the entire 55 minutes. Uh, again, our, our Royal Rumble prediction show comes out tomorrow, 7 a.m. Alex McCarthy from Talk Sport joins us. Uh, so make sure to tune in for that conversation and see if he believes that he can beat SP3, the self-proclaimed wrestling trivia king, even though he's never beat me in one-on-one competition. I beat you. I beat you. I had a whole team sweep your team. You did you? Did you? Did you? Did you, you personally around? Hey, just because I can't put together a good team doesn't mean I can't stand so. Yo, ladies right? and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I will show y'all the receipt of when I won the number one contendership and what Rick <laughs> messaged me 
after that because he wanted he wanted front hey, on camera. Hey, let, all of y'all. Let's keep kayfabe alive here, just a little bit. All right, can we keep kayfabe alive? Is nothing is sacred anymore? SP three. Nope. Damn nope. it, man! I'm all right, we receipt. I'm like Diana from Power Book Two Ghosts. I'm pulling receipts. I'm pulling out Zeke's birth certificate. I'm doing all of that. Make sure to subscribe for the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel for your chance and a $50 gift card to WWE Shop. Tune in tomorrow, 7 a.m. Royal Rumble Prediction Show. We'll talk to you guys then. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.